0: This is The 615 Podcast with your host, veteran realtor and entrepreneur, Nick Woodard. All right, everybody, welcome
1: back to The 615 Podcast. This is season two, and today I have with me the CEO and founder of Benchmark Realty, uh, the head man in charge of the company I work for, Mr. Philip Cantrell. So, thanks for uh, coming and joining us, bud.
0: Glad to be here.
1: I very much appreciate it. Yeah. I've always um, joked around with you that you remind me so much of my father. And yeah. uh, y'all kind of have the same background. Um, you started out, you had a family background in uh, commercial printing.
0: That's correct. And I did really it. 20 years in commercial printing, and I'm never really sure how you mean that comment about <laughs> me and your dad, but, you know, it's okay. I'll take it as a compliment because I yeah. know you guys hang out a lot. you
1: old-timers. Old yeah, yeah. old-timers, yeah. But uh, you've always, you always reminded me because, um...
0: You keep going that direction, you're going to be looking for another job. Uh-huh. Life, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, y'all both have that mentality. If you if you want it, you got to go earn it. Yeah, you know, there's no free lunches. You you gotta, be, get, live below your means, you know, the, the old school.
0: Get up, leave the cave, and kill something, drag yeah. it home every day.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> well, you've kind of created um, something really cool here at Benchmark. Um, a very unique culture so that's kind of one reason i wanted to have you on here is to kind of tell the story about what you saw mm-hmm. you know you obviously saw an opportunity to create something um
0: yeah i think it, one of the things that that uh probably facilitated that is what you brushed up against there in the beginning is that i'm not from this industry Okay. I spent 20 years in the commercial printing business before I got into real estate, and I left commercial printing. It was my, my family industry, not my family company, but my family industry. My grandfather was in commercial printing, and my father was in commercial printing in Nashville. And um, so, you know, lazy college kid coming out of college, that's where all the family contacts are, uh-huh. so it's easy to get a job. So I wound up that, and I hated every day of it. Uh, but, you know, wife, kids, mortgage, obligations, you get stuck, So, cautionary note to all the, any young people who might be listening to this, don't get stuck in a career you hate.
1: Okay, that's fair. Uh,
0: But anyway, uh, along the way, I had, uh, probably as early as 1988, began investing in in rehab properties. And uh, we called it rehab investing back then. We didn't call it flipping. Everybody calls it flipping now, but that is purely invented by HGTV. So
1: What you mean those stories are not the term fully accurate? The though? term
0: flipping. No, they're not. Uh-huh. It's fantasy oh, okay. land. It's okay. like Disneyland land for real estate. It's but,
1: like we've yeah. talked about the you know, the H G T V to talk about you know, you've got a couple, one's a butterfly catcher and one yeah flips burgers. The budget's three million dollars,
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, so I got in this industry. I actually I left commercial printing to be a rehab investor. I had no intention of getting my license. I didn't want to get my license. I didn't like realtors, and I'm still not sure about a bunch of them. <laughs> but... Anyway, Definitely aside, fair. All that aside, I realized that I needed my license to be effective at rehab investing and finding the properties before they hit the market or very soon thereafter, and then uh, then disposing of them once I had them completed. So I, Went down that path, got my license, and then other investors saw what I was doing and they said, hey, would you do that for us too? Because you're pretty good at finding them, you're pretty good at disposing of them, you're pretty good at running the financial analysis. And coming out of the printing world, I'm a left-brainer, right? Everything is left-brain, analytical, it's all about the numbers with me, Mm -hmm. as you know. Mm -hmm. so uh, one thing led to another, and I started working for other investors doing the same thing. And then you reach a crossroads, and you know you can either make more money selling, or you continue to manage projects. And so I shifted over to to just selling and went that route for a number of years. And then I think my first year in it, I probably did about nine million dollars in real estate, and that's a big number to a lot of people. But you know, I, I was still starving to death. So I. Uh,
1: but that, that's one thing a lot of people don't understand, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, remember the whole days of the realtor used to be in the million dollar club? Yeah. Well. No, I sold a million dollars yeah, worth of real estate. Right. Like we that's can't right. eat now. It means nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. Yeah. It means
0: nothing. Uh, so anyway, my second year in, I realized I had done 56 deals, and I didn't have an assistant. There wasn't oh, a wow. company. It was just me, and I was going to have to do something different, or I was going to die. Absolutely. I think my average sales price was maybe 165000 or something like that. So and
1: just a lot, a, lot, a lot of volume. A lot of moving A lot of
0: transaction, and, and for commission percentages were not what they are today. Right. <laughs> they were very small. But, uh Anyway, I decided that I had to do something different, so I reoriented myself to uh, looked at the, the physical plant of what my knowledge base was. And I know sticks and bricks, and I said, okay, you know, where can I go to find sellers and buyers that, that need knowledge in the sticks and bricks world? And well, that's new construction. And uh, so, you know, new construction, where's the high dollar new construction? Well, it's in Williamson County. So I reoriented the business toward my personal business toward Williamson County. And the next year, for sure, my volume jumped to about 12 million and my deal count dropped to about 32. Yeah. So it was kind of just reorientation and changing the way you do business.
1: Now, and, around what year was that?
0: Well, I got my license in 2002, uh, May of 2002. And so I probably reoriented back to Williamson County in 2004. So that way, right
1: before things made a little bit of a change. It
0: was really hopping. It yeah. was really hopping. And I rode, rode the wave up. Yep. Nope. Uh it was really good. And uh so anyway, I actually started Benchmark in March of 2006 with the sole intent of serving my new construction clients. I I had five custom home builders I represented. That's all I wanted to do. Thought I was going to get fat and happy and die. Die happy man doing that, you know. Well. The economy had a different mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> The economy <laughs> had a different uh opinion of what was going to happen. So now
1: like I said before, you're always a forward thinker. Were, were you experienced enough to see what could potentially happen with, with the mortgages? And, and? That's kind of the rest of the story, yeah? right? <laughs> uh,
0: so the fall of 07 is when it began to clamp down, and my, my builders began to choke, and they were cutting back. And uh, my largest builder left me, and we had built the company up to 13 agents at the time, and, and my largest builder left and took seven of my agents with him to start a real estate firm. Uh, so, you know, be that as it may, I could look You don't want to give them a shout out? Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no <laughs> shout out there. No shout out. By the way, they're all out of business now. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. all right. All right. Payback is hell. I have a very, I'm like an elephant, I have a very long uh, memory. Yep. Yep. So uh, I looked out there, and, and I have most of a master's in economics, so I could actually read the trends and see where this thing was headed in the, uh, the fall of 07. So I kind of backed up, reoriented, tried to figure out, okay, what is, looking at the coming crisis that I saw in all the numbers in the charts, you know, what is the model that is sustainable and can actually excel through a down period? And I didn't see it in the local market. And that is the differentiation being a traditional broker is everybody works off a percentage, right? Uh, 80-20 splits, 70-30 splits. And I said, well, is that sustainable for the real estate agent? In, in a coming crisis that I see, and I didn't believe so. So I kind of I went to the eastern, pretty much every major market in the eastern U.S. I said, what are the 900-pound gorilla real estate brokers in those markets doing that's not being done here? And uh, didn't really find a magic bullet, but I borrowed a little from this one, a little from that one. I came back and I homogenized that for Tennessee under a fee-based revenue model. So we charge our agents fees instead of... Um, percentages. So we stay in we have revenue as long as they're in business.
1: Right. Whether right.
0: they're selling or not. And and so we relaunched under that program um February one of two thousand eight with five agents including me. Uh literally staring at the abyss, right? And uh so but I knew it would work, and, and so it uh, we relaunched, and I think all of 2008, we maybe did collectively $10 million of the real estate sales, and I probably did six of that myself.
1: And uh, so today, yeah. it, sitting at Benchmark, what's our, our sales total? In
0: 2020, we closed the year out at $3.4 billion of the real estate sales. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's been a, been a good ride. That's been a incredible. Good ride. So the model works in a downturn. The model works in yep. an upturn. The model just works. And uh, so, what we've basically done beyond that basic framework is just cobble on tools and things that that make uh, that make the agent more productive and right. help them in their in their business.
1: Well, and and one thing that I've you know one reason I came here and one thing I noticed is you know you we don't really push the whole you know we're providing leads because of our brand. You know, each individual is their own. Yeah. marketing entity.
0: They're in business for themselves, but not by themselves. Right. For the first time in their in their life, actually. Right. Right. Um, and we, we are here as an as a infrastructure support, uh, broker support, strong brand, facilities, tools, but how the agent gets their business is purely up to them. Right. And of course, right. we're giving them all their money in return, so.
1: Right. Well, what's going on in Nashville?
0: <laughs> a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of
1: crazy crap. <laughs> what? I mean, I... I've got my own theories on things, um, and I kind of wanted to bounce them off you, see what you thought, but you know, I've been in this industry for 16 years now, so I've seen a couple election cycles, ebbs and flows, that yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Um, it seems that every election cycle, things kind of clamp down. Sure they do. But it also seems like it starts to release by now. Yeah. So I have a theory that you have an election cycle, you have the COVID-19 scare, which there in my opinion, there were probably a bunch of sellers that were going to try to sell their home, but were afraid of people bringing the horrible virus yeah. into their house. Yeah. So they decided not to sell their house. hmm and in the meantime, you have a lot of people coming here from other states. You have low interest rates, so everybody's gobbling up anything they can mm-hmm. when there's very few people selling. Mm-hmm. It does that make sense, or is that? Are there other factors I'm missing here?
0: Uh, yes, and yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean. Well, tell me, Yoda. So there, there's, there's, <laughs> it's, honestly, it's almost the perfect storm of, of uh, extenuating circumstances. So, so, number one, you have the government, the federal government, that continues to create money out of thin air. Uh, that is their response to every crisis, mm-hmm. it seems. It's just like, okay, let's go print some more money and throw it and see what happens. So, they've driven down interest rates. Uh, combined with that, that was kind of their answer to the, to the COVID pandemic thing. Um, and so that was their answer to that. And then combined with that, we've got people that want to get away from high-tax states and living in 600-square-foot high-rise apartments, and they want to have a little space around them. That's driven by the lockdowns as well. Right. So we have what is occurring right now, many economists are calling it the great migration. And, and And people are actually moving from the high-tax states to the lower-tax states so they can get a little bit of dirt around them. So that is driving inventory concerns. That is driving uh, prices. That is driving a lot of craziness in the market right now. Um, We're probably going to continue to see this as long as that migration continues. People who are accustomed to the the West Coast, they like the ocean. Well, they're all going to Florida. Everybody else is coming to Tennessee and Texas. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, people that are local that want to sell, they can't replace what they're selling exactly. what they're getting where are, we so gonna go? where are they gonna go yeah. um in many cases they go to the country some cases they go to the country but otherwise they're just not not putting their home on the market and new construction is not keeping up anywhere close with uh, uh, the demand
1: hello i'm shanae grimes beach and i moved to nashville from los angeles about two months ago Thanks to Nick, I literally cannot imagine having made this move without his help. We bought our house sight unseen, and there is nobody that I would have trusted to help me make that crazy decision if it wasn't Nick. Honestly, our home is our dream home. It's something I couldn't have wished for anymore, and it was in the most perfect, beautiful condition, just like Nick said it was before we got here honestly he made our dreams come true and i'm just super super grateful so i cannot recommend nick enough and then you've got lumber at an all-time high for that's the right. most part yeah, that's They're- right
0: you had all the lumber price all the lumber plants shut down during the crisis and uh during the lockdowns and so now you've got lumber prices that are up 50 and 60 and 70 percent over what they were this time last year and that's you know, we got houses that are selling for eight hundred thousand that last year the same exact floor plan, new construction, was five fifty. Yeah. It's just yeah. crazy.
1: Um, well I mean I guess that's that's the scare, like when this corrects or all those people that bought in at that price point, you know, are, are their values gonna tank? Or again this you know, I've got a theory on this too. Are we one of two options? Are we at the point of a I guess a micro bubble? Like you said, where, where, you know, due to supply demand and the, the cost of lumber, do we have a inflated value that's going to come down when this corrects itself? Or have we just crossed a threshold where Nashville's just an expensive place to live now and it's not going back?
0: It a just little, is what it is know, now. A little bit of both. I mean, I'll say, you know, history is a, teaches us, is a predictor of the future at times, you know, and... Uh, the last recession, at the bottom of the last recession, this market was only down 14%. In Chicago, it was down 38%, and Phoenix, yeah. it was down 49%. I mean, literally, people were jumping off tall buildings out there because it was so bad. And here, it was only down 14%. So overall, we have a diversified economy. We have an attractive place to live, and that's drawing people in. So that kind of lends itself to permanence to the price increases. Um, to a certain extent, there's there's a bandwidth, there's a yeah. band of uh, which prices will fluctuate for sure. The thing,
1: scary thing is, scary things that happen so quickly though.
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, I credit that to the federal government and the lockdowns.
1: Yeah. Well, uh-huh. I've I've had a couple guests on here, um, clients of mine coming from California, some from Seattle, some from Portland, and we're actually going to do a series of you know why why you left, yeah. why you came here, yeah. and you know there there's Many different reasons: high taxes, uh, you know, political reasons, safety reasons, you know, a, a multitude of things. Um, but one thing I've I've noticed on some of my recent transactions, I had a listing that ended up going, you know, a huge percentage over asking price. Mm-hmm. People came from out of state. Mm-hmm. They came from California. Mm-hmm. California offering $100,000 over asking price is not that crazy. Right. So you have almost two different philosophies meshing together. You know, I've been here my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. In this industry for 16 years we used to make offers like 3000
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, and we would
1: seal the deal with that until
0: a year and a half ago the average uh, list price to sales price ratio was 95% now the average list price to sales price ratio is 110% wow, <laughs> so wow. do the math and that's driven by cash buyers coming uh-huh. in you know guy that sold a Brick Rancher in L.A. that he bought 10 years ago, he just cleared a million five cash in his pocket. He comes in here and he says, I can buy this house for seven fifty. Well, I'm willing to pay nine hundred for it just yeah. to get it. Yeah, We had one the other day uh, in Green Hills. Put the property on in soon. And very desirable street in Green Hills. Uh, $735,000 listing, which was what the comps showed it should list for. We put it in Cummingson, which means it can't be shown yet. We're right. just letting the other affiliates, other agents know that it's coming. And this property received five offers, sight unseen. And the one that was the final trump card, so to speak, was uh, site unseen, no contingencies, cash, $115,000 over list price. <laughs> and the seller had to take it. <sighs> you know, of course, all yeah. the other agents were mad because, hey, yeah. you didn't. You didn't. Know. Well, you that's know. the hard
1: thing now is because it's such a fine line between ethics as well, right? You know, and I think there's new lines being drawn, and and you know, some gray areas we've never experienced.
0: And that Another leads thing, to rules, right? Absolutely, that leads to an increase in rules. Every so, time. you know, and and you know, the hard
1: thing for someone like me, I've always considered myself a connector, not necessarily a salesman. Yeah, you know, I'm all about praying over something and mm-hmm. and. You know, asking for discernment and and you know God's going to put you where you're supposed to be. But now you have clients. You're like, "Here's a house. Get your ass in the car. Meet me there. Do you That's want right. it or not?"
0: That's right. And today, I hate right that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's hard, but it's the reality of the market right now. Yeah. But but uh, you you circled around this earlier, and I'll say this: this too shall pass. Yeah. Um, I just the, hope it's a soft uh, landing. There will this. be a, there <laughs> will be an exhaustion of the of the demand uh, at some certain point in time. Um, those that have the cash and are wanting to leave will have left and landed wherever they're going to land. At that point in time, we'll have to see what the market does. I think it's going to ease some, but honestly, as you said, I think Nashville's just going to become an expensive place to live. Down. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the million, the uh, Brentwood, the median home price is now over a million dollars, and we all of Williamson County, the median home price is over eight hundred thousand dollars. and I remember when the median home price down here was. Three twenty, and the right. median home price in Davidson County or Nashville was a, was one hundred and forty thousand. So it's it's changed, and I think it's changed permanently. The question is, what does it look like, right? Afterward, I mean, do you think? And again, this is theory as well.
1: You know, I have the the feeling that everything from Nashville to Birmingham is going to end up blowing up. So you are going to have things that kind of push out away yeah. from Nashville you know cool springs used to be way out there in the country and then once cool springs established itself as a you know a business hub mm-hmm. that opened up in you know, spring hill marion county yeah. because they're not having to come into nashville
0: columbia's becoming a, a hot spot right now yeah, yeah. so um yeah, I think it's going to spread. I mean, that's human nature, it's right? Got to. You got the logistics of sixty-five, I forty, and twenty-four. So those are the natural paths of growth down down the main corridors. And yeah, um, I don't really go all the way to Birmingham and be hot. I don't know, but I think it has the genuine potential to go down to Lawrenceburg, Lewisburg, and that area to still be hot, hot as yeah. a firecracker, um, because all of the Original Franklinites have all moved to Bucksnort now. Anyway, so. yeah, <laughs> they don't care about this stuff.
1: So say everybody's got to stay away from my yeah my, my, my little hold up spot down there. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's if tip your secret? <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're always looking five steps ahead. I mean, that's kind of what you're known for. I mean, what can we do as realtors and as people serving our clients to get ahead of what's coming. Like, What should we prepare for that you see? Like you saw the issue in 07, 08, um, c- kind of what can we do to protect ourselves and serve clients better?
0: There's a lot of things uh, and it just irritates the crap out of me that people don't do this. <laughs> Hang on to your client with iron talons until they buy or they die. Never never step away from your consumer. Uh, history is littered with the carcasses of companies that did that. They, they ignored consumer demand, and guess what? The consumer left them. Why do you think Amazon came about? Because the retail cons- the retail sellers were ignoring what the consumer's demands were. Yeah. So Amazon stepped into that gap. Um, that's the big thing. The other thing is to constantly be sharpening this saw. Constantly be sharpening this saw. Always be working on improving your skill set. Listen to what your consumers need. Um, there is a lot of friction in the transaction. I mean, you had 6 million homes that actually closed in 2020, roughly. Uh, so if you figure there was an affiliate on both sides, at most there were 12 million sides to a transaction. And yet Zillow's website every month gets 280 million unique visitors. There's a lot of demand. Yeah. There's a lot of demand. So how do we reduce the friction in the transaction? And there's a lot of friction right now. It's pretty stinking hard to buy a house unless you've got cash. You know. I mean, it is. Yeah.
1: You know, I've got many clients like, I'm trying to spend yeah. $700,000. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you got 30 to 45 days of hell right. once you sign that contract, once you have it agreed. Well, to. the hard
1: yeah. part for me as well, You know, I'm, I'm telling a lot of people to not buy. Yeah. So hold on for just a second. Yeah. Let it ease up. Let Let it ease up, let the dust settle. You know, I may end up having to, you know, go flip burgers for a year, but (laughs) I feel that, you know, some people are, are making poor decisions by being pulled into this emotional situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, everybody says, well, the real estate agent's dead, you know, the transaction is dead, the whole process has got to be fixed, it's all got to be commoditized and and put online and all this other stuff, and I I just totally disregard that, because there's always the human interaction, because this purchasing a home is the most emotional transaction that humans make. Oh,
1: without a doubt.
0: Outside of marriage, outside of making the decision to get married, It, it is the most emotional decision. There has to be somebody there to counsel, to guide to advise, to handhold. And if you're not doing that as a real estate agent, you're failing. Right. You know, you've got to be there. You've got to understand their needs. You've got to listen. There's a reason God gave you two ears and one mouth. So you listen twice as much as you speak. Um, and, and most affiliates, uh, most agents don't do that. Yeah. They're like, it's my way or the highway and this is how it's going to be. And then there's the element that shouldn't be in our industry. But right. that's a whole different conversation. Well, then, you, you know, I
1: think, Right now, we've got an influx of people that want to be agents. Sure. Everybody wants to jump in when the market's great.
0: Easy money, baby. And <laughs> I saw the
1: numbers the other day. You may know them, I don't, but you know how many listings there were compared to how many actual realtors there were. Yeah. And yeah. it was, now, what's, what's the number on, I know you probably know this off the top of your head, the number of agents that sell the, the percentage of homes in Nashville. The, it's a smaller number well, of agents that sell the most homes.
0: Well, I can tell. You, well, sure, absolutely. I mean, it's always the Pareto principle. You know, twenty percent of the people do eighty percent of the work. Um, but I can give you the average production per agent. I mean, ours is close to ten units per agent per year. But um, the Greater national average is only four point five. And the statewide average is 1.75. So of all the licensees in the state of Tennessee, their average production is only 1.75. Yeah. Some of that's accounted for because of their commercial agents and their, their production doesn't get listed in MLS. But the productivity level is way low. You have people that get their license because grandma's going to sell her house next year. And then right. as soon as that's done, they retire their license. Well, that kind of boogers up the professionalism in the market for the rest of yep. us. Yep, yep. But, you know, those are, those are issues that are always going to be with us. But I just say, you know, steady Eddie wins the race. Um, it's the tortoise and the hare type thing. So, you know, stay the course. Stay focused on your consumer. Stay close to your consumer. And uh, it's going to be okay. And, and markets change. Prices change. Interest rates change. I mean, first house I ever bought was 1982. I got first-time homebuyer money. THDA, which is a full one point below market. Twelve and a half percent. And I thought I hit a home run.
1: <laughs> I remember mom and dad telling yeah. me the house they bought in Huntsville, Alabama, I think it was like seventeen percent interest yeah. or something. Yeah. He was like, you know, the price point was thirty yep. thousand dollars. Well,
0: that's it. You know, price weren't as inflated as they are now and money was harder to come by. You had you had more qualifications to be able to get a loan. You had to do more than fog a mirror to get a loan. Right. Uh, so all those factors come into play. But the point is that Markets still take place. People still bought sold homes. You know, people always have it, babies and need another bedroom. Yep. People get relocated. They have to sell one and buy one. So the, the the process of real estate continues forward. The question is at what volume and what level and, and who are the players? Who's going to play in that game? Yeah. And only those that remain constant and steadfast will. Yep. So stay the course, serve your people well, and hang on. There you go so you got
1: it. a little we're wise right. solomon
0: <laughs> i uh always appreciate okay, we're done you. here we're done here <laughs>
1: always appreciate you i love being a part of uh the culture here and um we're gonna be okay that's right because daddy right. says so that's right that's right, <laughs>
0: that's right. you got it you all got right it. everybody thanks for joining us thanks, God, this is the 615 podcast subscribe rate and review at nickwoodard.com forward slash podcast.